Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za Well, it's a real privilege to be here this morning and just want to say a couple of things before we turn our attention to Acts chapter 20. The first thing I want to say is you need a bigger building. <laughs> and that relates to the second thing I want to say as we were singing one of the songs, I looked around and couldn't be helped um, but to really just uh, to weep uh, tears of gratitude you know 44 years ago today the Lord rescued me as a as a prodigal and as I was reflecting on that I thought 44 years ago I never would have imagined being in South Africa being a pastor of a church for 30 years having the privilege to have a part in the planting of a church like this. I was remembering the, the day this church was constituted. I had the privilege to preach that sermon. I think there were about 12 people who signed the Constitution and joined the church that day. And just to see the growth of the church over the years and to know all your elders, to know them well. And then today to have this privilege to to preach at this service. And God has been very, very kind to you, very gracious to Heritage Baptist Church and very kind to us at Brackenhurst Baptist Church to have a small part in it. And I really do feel like when I come here, I'm, it's like home away from home. And when Mpumalelo said earlier that you might get tired of seeing me, I hope that doesn't happen because I really enjoy coming here. And it's good to be with brothers and sisters and just to see what the Lord is doing here at Heritage Baptist Church. Today, as I have the privilege to preach, I want to remind not only Mkwane and Homolelo of their responsibilities, but all of us as Christians, our responsibilities of being a part of the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. And Paul had some serious words about that in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17, as he called together elders, pastors of that church. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and he has been receiving witness from the Spirit of God in every place he has been that trials and afflictions await him, as he goes to Jerusalem and he is of the view that he will not see these elders again. He's going to bypass Ephesus where they are the shepherds. I think the reason he did that was he did not want to, as he says, he does not want to be delayed to get to Jerusalem. 
And when Paul was in Ephesus, and I don't have time to develop this now, but when Paul was at Ephesus, it was probably the most difficult place he had been. He was there the longest he'd been anywhere. He'd been there three years. And Paul faced extreme spiritual opposition in Ephesus. And yet God used him there in the planting of what would become a great church. In the three years he was there, he had the privilege to night and day exhort, to train, to disciple these men who are now the elders of the church. So as he bypasses Ephesus and he comes to Miletus, which is in modern-day Turkey, he calls for these elders, these pastors, to come. He has some final words to say to them. It's interesting, the parallels in what, in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 38, the parallels between Paul and Jesus, as he gave uh, an Exodus speech to his disciples just before he was betrayed and crucified. Jesus also had spent three years with the disciples training future shepherds. You remember in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus looks about around Israel and he says that they're harassed, they're scattered as sheep without a shepherd. He says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send, that he would send forth shepherds, laborers into his harvest. Well, those disciples were the answers to that prayer. And Jesus, as he shares his heart with the disciples, tells them that they will not see him again, but that he will send another paraclete, another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will guide them. Just as Jesus was heading towards his exodus, so Paul is heading towards his exodus. And just as Jesus had the flock of God on his heart, when he went on his exodus, so did Paul. And so these words that Paul shares with the pastors of the church at Ephesus are very, very significant, not just for those who are pastors, but for the entire flock of God. If you join me in reading in verse 17, I want to read through the end of the chapter, and then I want to share with you several things about shepherding sheep. In verse 17, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And When they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks, repentance toward God and a faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, 
in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care, to shepherd the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Several lessons from this passage about shepherding and about the sheep. So Paul is an aging man, perhaps in his 60s, which is not old, but to younger people like Mpumalelo and others, that is old. And uh, in fact, in the office, we were talking about the fact that they were saying we're, we're young. And I said, you won't always be young. In fact, I was your pastor's age when I started at Brackenhurst. And nobody here in this room would say I'm still young. But as Paul is aging and he's moving on, he has left the care of the church and these most likely younger elders. He's concerned about the church. He's concerned about the welfare of the church and the welfare of these elders. So he gives them several things to help them. First of all, in verses 17 to 27, he gives them his own example. In verses 17 to 27, Paul is transparently, um, is very transparent with them. He was a man who was transparently tested before them. He writes and says some things that if I was saying these things, I would be very self-conscious. But when we read these about Paul, we don't second guess it. He says to them in verse 18, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. He says, my life was an open book and you saw that I was serving the Lord. You see that I did not shrink from declaring to you what was profitable. He speaks about his humility, how he lived among them with all humility in verse 19. And when we read that, we're not surprised. We don't second guess that because Paul had that kind of a testimony. And that's the testimony that these shepherds are supposed to have. You know, when Paul calls these elders to him in verse 17, you have to ask the question, where did these elders come from? Well, they came from his ministry. He had spent three years there investing his life in them. Later on, he will say he spent three years teaching them with, with tears. And I'm not persuaded he's just speaking there about generally preaching the gospel I think Paul spent three years, night and day, with these brothers, training them for the ministry. And what he's saying to them is the example that I have set for you, you need to follow. Paul gave the great example of a man with a concern for the sheep. He goes out of his way 
to call these men. He delays his trip a bit to call these men to him because he has this church on his heart. Any shepherd worth the title is someone who has a great passion for the sheep. He will eat, sleep, and drink the sheep. Uh, When he can't sleep at night, he will be counting sheep, but not in the normal way. He'll be thinking about them. And you have pastors, I have no doubt, that are concerned for your welfare. Never take that for granted, either as shepherds or as sheep. Paul gives him the example of a man who was committed. He had a Christ-driven devotion. He says, you know me, you watched me for three years and how I served the Lord. And I do want to say this particularly to the pastors of this church, that you want to make sure that in all your serving of the sheep, which you're called to do, realize that fundamentally you are to serve the Lord. I was on a Skype call the other day with about 25, 30 pastors from around the world. And the guy who was leading the conversation, he said, Doug, as I look around, you're the the oldest guy on this call. And he said, can we just ask you if you can give one word of advice to someone who is planting a church or is revitalizing a church? And I said that the first thing that comes to my mind is make sure you guard your walk with the Lord. It's very easy to get involved in ministry and to lose sight of the fact that ultimately we're serving the Lord. You want to make sure that you are walking with Christ and in all your service, you're serving not out of fear of man, but you're serving out of the fear of the Lord, that you are serving him. And by the way, that's good advice for all of us, that we serve sometimes in the church, and I've pastored the church long enough to know that things aren't always happy, and there's problems We want to give up on serving, but realize ultimately we are serving the Lord. Paul had a Christ-driven devotion. He had a humble disposition. He was a man who was marked by humility. Humility is simply this. It's learning to live completely dependent upon God. And that is good for every Christian. If we want to have a disposition of humility like the Lord Jesus Christ, then like Jesus Christ, We need to be living dependently on our God moment by moment. There was due diligence in Paul's ministry. He was tirelessly um, uh, tenacious. He speaks about that he did not shrink from declaring anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. He did that later on, he says, night and day. Paul was tireless. He was tenacious in his, in his duty of teaching God's word. We who are called to shepherd are called to be tireless in that. In fact, Paul's favorite word when he describes his labors is a word that means to work to the point of exhaustion. That pastoring is, is, is wearisome at time, but it is worth it. Again, I moved to tears today and just thinking, Lord, if this is my last day on earth, I would die a happy man. The church, what a glorious thing to be a part of. What a glorious thing to serve. What a glorious entity to serve tirelessly. Paul was a wonderful example. But Paul was also a man who understood his commission He says here, and these overlap, he says, and now behold, verse 22, I am going to Jerusalem, 
constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me. He knows that there's these prophecies that he's going to face affliction. He says, I'll not see your face again. Paul may have thought at this point that he was going to lose his life. Paul was willing to serve the Lord to, the, to his dying breath. He was willing to lay down his life for his shepherd. He was willing to lay down his life for the sheep. He was willing to die if need be. We need to realize that sometimes, as shepherds, it is to the point of feeling like we're laying down our life. But look at our example, the Lord Jesus Christ. The ultimate example here for these elders was not Paul. It was Jesus Christ who laid down his life for the sheep. It was Jesus Christ, the chief and the great shepherd, who laid down his life for the sheep, his sinless life for sinful sheep like you and I. And he gave his life and he experienced the wrath we deserved on the cross in order to redeem us in order to find us, in order to seek us, in order to bring us to redemption. He sealed that by his resurrection. And this morning we can sing about our great redeemer, our chief shepherd. That's the example that all of us as pastors, all of us as sheep have in serving the Lord. Paul understood his commission. His commission when he was converted in Acts chapter 9, was to preach this gospel about our chief shepherd, to preach the good news that the chief shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, that he took it back at the resurrection, that he intercedes today for all those who will come to him. Paul understood what it was to be committed. And Paul understood his commission and as he relates all of that he did while he was there, he's reminding, he's not boasted, boasting, he's saying to the shepherds, I'm, this, I'm an example of you, of a shepherd, now you are to do this. And that leads to his most important exhortation in verses 28 to 31, where he says this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. There are two things that Paul says he exhorts these elders to pay attention to. First of all, he says, pay attention to yourselves. The very first thing in verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves. Literally, be on guard about yourselves, that you are to um, be holding your mind towards yourself you are to be paying attention, as I mentioned earlier, first of all, to your own walk with the Lord. I, my wife, grew up in the home of a pastor. My father was the pastor of our church for 35 years. And it was, a, it was a, quite a, a large ministry, quite a large church. It had a, a bit of an international flavor to it. And her dad was very, very busy. And one day we were out together and I asked him, I said, with all that you have going on, what is your priority? How do you set your priorities? And he kind of looked at me kind of surprised and he said, well, that's easy. He said, my priority is to love Christ. 
He said, the most important thing I do every day is to get up in the morning and to read my Bible and to pray. He said, the most important thing is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And brothers, I want to say, pay careful attention to yourselves. Guard your heart. Guard your walk with the Lord. Guard your purity. Guard your mind. Guard your family. I don't, I don't think that there needs to be a conflict between serving the Lord and serving your family. It requires, like anybody else, scheduling. But what is joy? And, and, and I try not to be personal here today, but it was a real joy for me to look up here and to see not only McQuani and Homolemo, but to see Lydia, to see her kids up here, and to say, Thank you, Lord, for saving my children. Thank you for giving them believing spouses. That's the greatest joy that any pastor has. Thank God for his grace. Pay attention to your walk with the Lord. Pay attention with your character before the Lord. Review often the qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, and Titus chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. You're going to blow it. I had one of those weeks. There's an Australian kids book called something like A Terrible, Very Bad, No Good Day. You know, it's, I probably messed up that title, but you know it? I had one of those weeks. And I was doing some work around the house helping one of my daughters. And I wasn't responding always in a spirit-filled way. And we went to breakfast the other day, and I said to her, Katie, I just need to ask you forgiveness for the way I behaved. And she graciously forgave me. Now, I share that with you, not so that you won't invite me back again, but so you realize that pastors don't always have it all together. But as we're reminded by the gospel that on our best day we're accepted by Christ and on our worst day we're accepted by Christ because of what he has done. But we're reminded as well that when we, on, our, on our worst day when we sin, we do have a Savior and ask for forgiveness. And say forgiveness for those that you have wronged. The qualifications, we, we, our aim, our goal, is something that we continually strive for. Pay attention to yourself. But he goes on and emphasizes paying attention to your sheep. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, every single member. Paul writes to these brothers as church members, and he speaks about the fact that you are a part of a flock, the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. This flock, a flock is a flock of sheep. I preached a funeral this week in our church, and Preach from Psalm 23. And I try to remind people that when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, he was confessing that he was a sheep. And we have these little wonderful tender ideas of sheep. But there's a reason that God chose to describe his people as sheep. Because of their characteristics. Sheep are easily distracted. That's why they need shepherds. Sheep are very defenseless. That's why they need shepherds to protect them from the wolves and the Animals and from the serpents. Sheep are easily deluded. 
They're easily sidetracked and led in the wrong direction. Sheep are easily disobedient. I have in my office a, a picture I got about 20 years ago in Ethiopia. An Ethiopian shepherd, and he has these lambs, these sheep by his legs, and he has one wrapped around his neck. And oftentimes a shepherd will wrap a, a, a lamb or a sheep around his neck because it's been disobedient. And, it, and, and, and he's holding it closer. He's not sending the disobedient away. He's holding it closer and loving on it and trying to help it to understand who's in charge. We sheep are disobedient. And this last one nobody likes, but sheep are probably the dumbest animals. But I want to say this to my fellow shepherds. We're shepherds, but we're also sheep. Which is why Paul says, pay attention to yourself, first of all. Because all these things are true of us. But we are privileged to shepherd the flock of God. The flock of God is at least two things in this passage. It's, it's, it's valuable. It's purchased with his own blood. The blood of the Son of God. The blood of Jesus Christ, the precious, sinless blood of Christ, purchased us. He laid out his life for us. The church is the greatest entity on earth. There's nothing greater than the church. The family is wonderful. The church is greater. The church is the only thing I know of that Jesus Christ laid down his life for. And so many times, and this church gets it, and I thank God for it. That's why I love this church. But so many Christians, they just see the church as some peripheral thing they can take or leave. You can't. It's the most precious thing to Jesus Christ. It's valuable. But because it's valuable, it's also vulnerable. And that's why Paul warns. I know in verse 29 that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And he says, even some among you. That must have broken Paul's heart. As he looks at these elders that he has mentored, that he spent day and night for three years training, discipling. Most of them, want, he won to Christ. But he looks around them and he says, I know, and I don't know how he knew that, but I know that some, even some of you are going to hurt the flock. The flock is vulnerable. I pray that no shepherd would ever hurt this flock. And I was here a month or so ago and watched a, watched a queue of people on a Sunday afternoon line up to make their way to express their love to a pastor in this church. And I wept. I said, thank you, God, for the shepherds you've given to this church. You have a wonderful track record of shepherds that have understood your vulnerability and they made themselves vulnerable. And they've cared for you. And now the Lord has given you two more. Two more that are going to be tirelessly giving themselves to protect this church. Someone said to me the other day they were concerned about entering into a relationship and having their heart broken. And I said, and I said you know, C.S. Lewis said that there's only two places outside of 
There's only, uh, sorry, there's only one place outside of heaven and hell where there is no risk of love. He said in heaven there's no risk of love because love is perfect. In hell there's no risk of love because there's no love there. But as long as we live between heaven and hell, there's going to be risk. And shepherds, your heart's going to be broken. I know that. I know that from experience. But because of the value of the church, we keep at it. We keep loving the flock. We do all we can to protect the flock of God. How do we do that? We do that by, as he says, caring for the church of God. Some translations saying, feed the church of God. It's a word, do we get a word shepherding from? How do we care for this valuable but vulnerable entity? We do that by teaching them the word of God. We do that by grounding the church in the gospel. This church has years of that. And I look forward to seeing years more of that. And this is an amazing thing. I, I oftentimes just am, am amazed that I spend so much time preparing messages and teaching God's word and sometimes just wondering how it's going to go. There's sometimes I preach and I feel like it was a six. And there's sometimes I preach and I feel like it's a duck. In fact, I was telling our church recently, when I went to India, I've been to India several times, and one day I came outside the airport in Mumbai, and there was someone picking me up, and they had a sign there, Pastor Duck. <laughs> and I thought, either they don't know how to spell my name, or they've heard me preach before. <laughs> but it's an amazing thing how when shepherds feed the church the word, Sometimes it's fillet. Sometimes it's broccoli. But the church is nourished and it's cared for. And so brothers, preach the word and congregations show up for the meal. If you don't show up, you can't be fed up. In fact, 30 years ago, when I preached the service where I was ordained, the first service as a pastor of Baptist Church, I preached from Ephesians 4, and I remember very, very clearly, I said to them, there's lots of things you can't expect from me, but what you should expect is that when you leave here, you'll be fed up with me, or by me, sorry. But you've got to show up to be fed up. And the glorious thing, according to Ephesians 4, is when the church shows up and it's fed up, it gets up, and it grows up and it serves one another and it grows into the head who is Christ. And so shepherds, take seriously this calling of this valuable and vulnerable entity. Paul gives them quite a strong exhortation here and reminds them of their major calling, which is to care for them. But in verse 32, we have Paul's expectation. He says, and now I commend you. I'm done, brothers, he says. I've given you about all I can give you, and now I commend you to God and to the word 
of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul's expectation was that the church of Ephesus would be just fine without him. His expectation was that because they are being commended, because they are being set before the Lord, his word of his grace, that they will be able to indeed do this. Paul had the expectation that this church would be just fine because of the, because of the shepherding of these men who would feed the church of God and therefore the church would have the security that it would grow from strength to strength. He assured them that there would be stability. As they have the word of grace, they will be built up. There will be a stability there. There will be a growth there. You know, it's interesting that there's, I've read about a lot of shepherds um, in my ministry trying to learn how to be a better shepherd. And it's interesting that shepherds produce shepherds. Shepherd, shepherds do not give birth to sheep in the, bio, in the physical realm, right? But as they are faithful shepherds and they are keeping the sheep healthy, the sheep are healthy and happy and they're frolicking and they're reproducing amongst themselves. And as your shepherds continue to feed you the word of God, the word of his grace, as they continue to ground you in the gospel, then you are equipped, we are equipped as church members to go out with this gospel and to reach others with this gospel and to bring them in so that they too can be shepherded. But I love how he ends verse 32. It's able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God gives to the church shepherds to help us to grow closer to the shepherd, to be healthy that we can reproduce for his honor and glory. But he gives us shepherds so that together as a congregation we can grow in holiness. I remember hearing John MacArthur many years ago speaking about pastoring. And I think he'd been in this church for about 35 years at that point. And he said he is persuaded after all those years that the Lord has given him certain members just for his own sanctification. And I thought that's true, but God, God probably gave you to them for their sanctification as well. It's a two-way street. But Paul says, listen, shepherds, I'm leaving, but I have every hope and every reason to believe because of the word of God's grace, because of this gospel truth that you will steward well, that the church will grow in holiness. And I'm, how many years is this church? Put Milano, 13 years old. So you're 13 years old, so you're still pretty young as a congregation. But I want to encourage you to, to keep at it because when your church is... 50 years old, you're going to be able to look back and just see the growth and grace of many of your members. Paul says, I am persuaded that because of this gospel. Many, many years ago, I lived in Australia. My wife and I lived in Australia with two of our daughters. They were very young at that time. And uh, we only had two daughters. Um, and I had a wonderful privilege to meet a man that I didn't know anything about. 
He was a very, very brilliant theologian. A friend of mine knew him, wanted me to, to meet him. And, and I remember asking this man a question. I said, when you preach at churches, what do you preach? And he said, I always preach the gospel. And I said, do you, I said, do you mean you preach evangelistic messages? He said, well, I hope they're evangelistic. He said, but whatever my text, he said, I am pointing people to the gospel. He said, I said, even if they're all believers, he said, especially if they're believers. And he took me to Romans chapter 1, and he showed me the first five verses how Paul says that the gospel is, all, is concerning God's son. And he said, young man, he said, the gospel is the A to the Z of the Christian life. And I never forgot that. That has helped me so much. As your church gathers and your shepherds are grounding you in the gospel, you will grow in holiness. Well, let me just conclude with Paul's exit. Paul says in verse 33, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. He exhorts them about the fact, you know, my, he said, look at my hands. You see the calluses on them? You know I worked for my own labor and I supported those I brought with me. And he says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And his very last words were so important because what he's saying to them is, hey, elders, hey, pastors, make sure in your ministry that you are personally disinterested. You're not looking for what you can get out of this. You're looking to follow your Savior who said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And as you give, by the way, you find yourself receiving a lot. But Paul says as, his, as he exits, he says, I want you to realize that in all your ministry, you need to be very, very careful. You're not using it to build yourself up. And Paul doesn't say this, but I would apply this from other passages. It's so easy to, to use the pastorate to just build up our own egos or to build up our own sense of purpose. Find your purpose in Christ and then disinterestedly serve the congregation. What I love about this passage is when Paul leaves, they're all weeping. They're all weeping because of his departure. You know, one of the worst verses in the Bible, I read it recently in my devotions, and I said, Lord, may that not be true of me. It's in 2 Chronicles 21.20, and it says, Jehoram died to no one's regret. How would you like that on your tombstone? Well, when Paul left them, he said, you're not going to see me again. And they all wept. And there's coming a day when your ministry is going to come to an end. But I do believe that if you follow Paul's example, who followed Christ's example, if you follow Paul's exhortation, who was, was really Jesus' exhortation to his disciples, as you do that, there's going to be a strong bond between you and the congregation. There's going to be strong affection and the day that you put the shepherd's rod down, there's going to be such a an affection for, for you and you for the flock. I hope the Lord gives you decades of serving here. I've been privileged to serve for three decades in the same church, and I don't think I'm finished yet. I want to spend whatever healthy life I have doing that. 
And I'll be honest, there were times in the early part where I wanted to just leave it. There were times in the middle part where I wanted to leave it. There were parts in the later part where I wanted to leave it. But I can't because this is an affection for the sheep. Their affection for me and it's a family. I hope you'll hear this from somebody who's seen a lot of churches. What you have here, not every church has. There is great affection of your leaders for you and you for your leaders. Steward that, Heritage Baptist Church. Steward that well for the glory of God and for the progress of the gospel in your own sanctification. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the great shepherd of the sheep who before the foundation of the world was committed to coming and laying down his life for your sheep. We thank you, Father, for faithful shepherds who have, certainly not perfectly, but tried to walk in his footsteps. Thank you, Father, for the example of Paul. Lord, I thank you for the example of Mpumalelo. I thank you for the example of Michael. I thank you, Father, that Matwani and Humalelo have those examples to look to. And I do pray for the blessing between sheep and shepherds, and that you would strengthen it. And the Heritage Baptist Church would continue to grow from strength to strength as they lean on your word of grace, which is able to give them their full inheritance as they are sanctified in Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.